0: Father, I thank You that You deliver Your people, that You delivered Israel from Egypt, that You have delivered us from sin, and that I pr- thank You that You will bring us home to be with You forever, that we might experience the joy of Your presence, that we might serve and worship You with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. pray that our hearts would cry out, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen. So two weeks ago, my wife was past due, and I knew she is going to deliver a baby, but it really didn't feel that way to me. We were about a week past her original due date, and I could see her belly. Obviously, a baby's about to come. I had seen the ultrasound pictures, pictures clear enough that her that Reagan's grandmother said that the baby looks like me. I think it's the lips or something like that, which is kind of sweet as a dad. Um, And I know that when women are nine months pregnant, they don't continue to be pregnant, but they give birth. And yet it didn't feel like anything was really going to happen. And then one morning we woke up, drove to the hospital. Reagan went into labor. And 12 hours later... (laughs) Crazy hours later, she gave birth to our little girl and I got to hold her. And what a sweet thing this was for me as a dad to hold my little girl in my arms and just think how strange it would be if we would have left Ruth at the hospital to go through all those nine months of Reagan carrying Ruth in her belly, to go through everything that's involved in labor and delivery, to see this girl who is our child, and then to leave her there. It's like, no, that's not what parents do because we desire to be with our children the delivery that Reagan went through was so we could bring Ruth home Today, in our passage, we're going to see how God delivers his people. He's going to fulfill the promises that he made to Moses and the promises that he made to Abraham. But some of the promises that God has made are still yet to be fulfilled. Though he has climactically delivered them from the land of Egypt, they are yet to be home with the Lord in the promised land. The Lord has delivered them so that they might come out out of Egypt to worship him to be with him so as we look to this exodus we're going to both see how Israel is to look back and to remember what God has done as they celebrate the passover and how Israel in the wilderness is to look forward to the rest of the promises of God being fulfilled and we ourselves who have faith in Christ look back to what he has done on the cross to deliver us from sin And we look forward, even in our communion, we proclaim his death until he comes again. And we will be with the Lord face to face because the Lord does not leave his people in the hospital. He brings us home. And that is the main point of this sermon, that just as the Lord delivered Israel from Egypt in accordance with his promises, so too the Lord has delivered us as His people from our slavery to sin, and He will certainly bring us home. We're going to look first at how this passage highlights the promises that God has made being fulfilled. So we're going to see how God actually brings his people out. And we're going to look at this institution of the Passover. That Israel is to remember what God has done so that they might be his people. And then we're going to look to how does Christ, our greater Passover lamb, Christ come. How does he come and set us free so that we might be the people of God today and for all time in his presence? So actually you can turn to Genesis 15 verses 13 to 14 and we will read those two verses because there are several things in this passage that end up being fulfilled 400 years later in our passage today of Exodus 12. So Genesis fifteen thirteen to 14 says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions." And everything that the Lord says in this passage will be fulfilled by the end of today's passage in Exodus 12. That hit Abraham's offspring would be servants, slaves in Egypt for 400 years. In Exodus 12.40, it says the time that the people of lit- Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. This promise of 400 years of slavery is happening. But then the Lord says, I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. The Lord will bring judgment on Egypt. We have seen that in the last few weeks with all of the plagues that God has sent, that He has promised, that He has warned to the Egyptians to let His people go that they might serve Him. But Pharaoh's heart was repeatedly hard. And today we see the of the judgment of God on Egypt. In verse 29, that the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. In Genesis 15-14, God's promises to Abraham, afterward, your offspring will come out with great possessions. In Exodus 12-36, It says, the Lord had given the people favor, the people of Israel favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Nathan has been calling this back pay that Israel has been enslaved for 400 years. And now there's this back pay coming where the people of Egypt, in their haste to get the Israelites out, actually give them their possessions. So in a single night, Pharaoh's heart has gone from solid rock hard against the Lord to a brokenness before his judgment, letting the people of Israel go that they would be the Lord's people. But Genesis fifteen doesn't only include those promises. Before and after the promises of Genesis fifteen thirteen to fourteen, God promises to give Abraham and his people a land. In Genesis fifteen seven, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. In Genesis fifteen, eighteen, the Lord says on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying to your offspring, I give this land. So not every promise of the Lord in Genesis 15 is yet to be fulfilled. God has cr- brought about a deliverance from his people. He has brought them out of slavery but he has not yet brought them home to the promised land the land filling flowing with milk and honey so israel as they begin to celebrate this passover in the wilderness all the things that god has done to fulfill the promises of genesis 15 when they go back and look at genesis 15 as they are wandering about for 40 years they'd be reminded that there are yet more promises That God has not yet fulfilled, but if He delivered us from Egypt and did all of these things, He will fulfill the rest of these promises. So, how does the Lord deliver them? Let's begin to kind of walk through this passage again. What does the Lord do to give Israel hope that He will finally bring them home? So, in Exodus 12, verses uh, 29 to 30, it says, At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead." The Lord brings judgment on Egypt. The great moment of deliverance for the people of God is simultaneously a judgment on those who rejected Him. When Christ returns, it will be a great moment of deliverance for us as God's people, but for those who turn away from Him, it will be an even worse judgment than what Egypt receives here. The Lord had warned Egypt over and again, but Pharaoh's heart was hard. Hard, hard repeatedly. And he would not listen. And the punishment for sin here ought to make us sorrowful. Uh, Ezekiel says that the Lord does not delight in the death of the wicked. Because even the death of someone as evil as Pharaoh... The judgment on his sin is still the destruction of one who was made to be an image bearer of God. We were made for relationship with him to be his people in his promised land. Because of their hardness of heart, they will not submit to the Lord And if you turn from the mercy that the Lord offers you, there is nothing left but the slavery to sin which brings nothing but death. But even in this passage, there's hope for... Those who are outside of Israel. In verse 38, it says a mixed multitude also went up with them, went up with Israel. Now there's these people that God is delivering Israel to go out to be his. But along with them, a mixed multitude goes out. Now, some of this mixed multitude may just be going out because they're thinking, I need to get away from whatever is happening in Egypt. Or maybe they are other people who have been oppressed by the Egyptians. Or maybe they're the nations or Egypt itself who have seen the Lord truly is God and we are going to unite ourselves to His people. And these... Mixed multitude of peoples come together with the Lord's people and are delivered out of Egypt. It is true that our gospel is an exclusive truth. The Lord does say that if you reject the mercy that he offers, there is punishment and death. But Tim Keller says that the exclusive truth of the gospel is the most inclusive, exclusive truth that there is. Regardless of your race, gender, ethnicity, orientation, socioeconomic status, intelligence, or anything else, you are welcome to join the people of God by faith in Jesus Christ, to be delivered from your slavery to sin, and to be brought into God's kingdom, to be with Him forever. But here, even after this climactic judgment on Pharaoh that foreshadows the judgment on sin that will occur when Jesus returns, Pharaoh's heart is still hard, and he does not repent. A few chapters later, he's actually going to go and try and re-enslave Israel again. After all the devastation that's been brought upon him, he still will not humble his heart before the Lord. And I don't know if you have ever been scared about how hard your heart can be. But I certainly have been. I think of Hebrews saying today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Because there were people not only in Egypt, but also Israel, who then are brought out of slavery, who then in the wilderness forget to remember the Lord and face the same judgment as the Egyptians. Hebrews says, Who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? Well, then what was the problem? Because good news came to them, just as has come to us, but that good news was not united by faith in the hearts of those who heard. So for Israel as well, they need to remember that the Lord is their only Savior. Otherwise, they too will face the punishment that the Egyptians face, we also must have a heart that's soft towards the Lord, that turns to Jesus in repentance and faith and seeks after Him. Because just identifying with the people of God or just showing up to church does not make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. That's my mom's illustration, and I love that one. We have to have faith in Christ to be united to Him, to look forward to our greater Passover Lamb. But for the Egyptians, they failed to do this and face the judgment of the Lord. Pharaoh does not repent here, but he does allow Israel to leave. After all these other times where God has brought about a plague, Pharaoh says, okay, you all can go and worship the Lord. And then the plague ends and Pharaoh changes his mind. Here, he does not change his mind. In verse 31, Pharaoh, who had just told Moses and Aaron that he would never see them again and allow them to live, says, uh, in verse 31, he said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. He unconditionally sends the people of God out of his land and even asks them to pray for his own blessing. Likewise, the Egyptians in verse 33 were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So this is a pretty climactic transition, even more climactic maybe than I've experienced a week and a half ago as my baby came out and my whole life changed. But for the Israelites, their lives changed drastically in this moment. It happens so quickly that they don't even have time to leaven their bread. Now, that is pretty astounding because they have been in slavery for four hundred and thirty years. But then the Lord's deliverance happens in a moment such that they can't even get their bread ready and the Lord delivers them. The deliverance of the Lord will come in a moment and it will change and make all things new when Christ returns. And here we're getting a glimpse of that as the people are brought out and not just brought out of Egypt, but brought out in verse 36 with favor as they plunder the Egyptians, they receive this back pay. The Lord has given them wealth and they go out along with the mixed multitude who unites themselves to God's people. So, this is what Israel is to remember. They're to remember the climactic deliverance of the Lord, that He has brought them out of slavery and a full accordance with all of His promises that He has made. But then Israel fails to remember. They fail to trust the Lord that the rest of His promises will hold true. As they reach Jordan, Canaan, the promised land, they see the enemies who are there and doubt that the Lord will actually bring us in. It is easy in the trials the troubles that we're facing to see all that the Lord has done and still to wonder if He will actually be faithful to the end of our lives. And Israel, when they see the enemies that are ahead of them, fail to trust the Lord. And then for 40 years, rather than experiencing the blessing of being God's people in His promised land, they wander about in the desert and they all die in the wilderness, except for a few who are faithful to trust the Lord who are then brought in with the next generation. But imagine being in the 30th year of that wandering in the desert, as you are taking the... Lord's, or not Lord's, as they are taking Passover year after year, remembering what God has done, remembering that not all of his promises are yet to be fulfilled, but each year, as you look back to his deliverance that he gave the people of Israel from Egypt, you also are reminded that he has promised to bring you into his land, and he will certainly do it. This is a night of watching for the Lord. They're to remember all that God has done and all that He has yet to do. Verses 40 to 42. Say the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So the same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Israel is to remember that they were slaves for 400 years. But that the Lord delivered them from Egypt. That the Lord actually watched over them, guarded and protected them during their slavery. That the Lord heard their cries and delivered them from their oppressors. And they're to remember all that He's done. But then... They fail, and they wander in the desert. But after those 40 years are done, the Lord does bring them into His promised land. But yet again, though Israel is now God's people and His land, they fail to remember all that He has done. It's interesting how maybe little they actually celebrate the Passover. So often, the people of God forget even to celebrate this climactic delivery. And then the people of Israel turn from serving the Lord to serving idols. And because of their infidelity to God, they get cast out of the promised land. Because however climactic the exodus is, however amazing it is that God has delivered them from Pharaoh, their fundamental problem is yet to be dealt with because of their sin, because of Israel's hardness of heart, they are separated from the Lord and until their sin is fully paid for they won't have the freedom of being the Lord's people in his place under a faithful ruler for all time but fortunately the Exodus and the Passover lamb points us forward to an even greater Exodus that's to come as Jesus will go to the cross In Luke 9, verses 28 to 31, Jesus goes with Matthew, not Matthew, Jesus goes with James and John and Peter up onto a mountain as transfigured. And when he's up there, Moses and Elijah show up with him. That's a pretty interesting combo of people. And they begin to talk as Jesus's glory is evident. And verse 30 says, And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Uh, You may have a note next to that word departure that takes you to the bottom and it says that the Greek word is exodus. Moses is standing with Jesus during his life, and they are talking about the exodus that Jesus is about to accomplish. The exodus that isn't to deliver Israel from Egypt, but to deliver God's people climactically from all of their sins. Jesus is going to move forward and set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem to deal with the fundamental problem that the exodus from Egypt could not do. Jesus is a greater Savior. He's a greater Passover Lamb. He accomplishes a greater exodus for us. An exodus to which the exodus of God's people in Egypt ultimately points us forward to see. And this is what we celebrate in communion as in the Passover, where the people of God remembered his deliverance from Egypt and looked forward to being God's people in the promised land. In our communion, we celebrate that Christ paid for our sins, that he shed his blood and gave his body for us. And we also look forward to his return. In 1 Corinthians 11.26, Paul writes that as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, as often as you take communion, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Because we are God's people now who believe in Christ and who have been delivered from sin because Jesus paid it all. But we are not yet Home. We have God's presence with us today. We can worship Him. We experience the joy and the blessing of following after Him. But the final resting place that we have, a resting place that is far better than the land of Canaan, that is sweeter than the honey and more nourishing than the milk that Israel would ever experience This land is for us. We will be God's people in His presence. We will walk again in freedom in the garden of the Lord. And this is the hope that we have as Christians. The same night that Jesus took the Passover with His disciples, instituted the Lord's Supper, He tells them that He is going away but He is going away in John 14 to prepare a place for them, to bring them to be with Him. Um, When I was in Malaysia for a couple of years, one of my friends started to follow the Lord, and he told me that his whole life he had been afraid of what would happen to him when he died. He said, I've been afraid since I was a child that I will die and be in darkness and I will not know where to go. But this morning I read John 14 and Jesus says that he is going to prepare a place for us to bring us to be with him forever. Our friends, this is our hope in Christ that He has paid for our sins and that He will bring us home. He will not leave the baby at the hospital. We will be with Him forever so we don't have to be afraid anymore whatever comes in these days. We get to be with the Lord. This is what we remember. This is what we remember when we take communion. I'm looking forward to when we get to do that again. That we get to remember what Jesus has done to deliver us. And that we get to remember that He is coming again to save us, to bring us home. That we get to actually experience the blessings of community, the relationships. I am looking forward to giving you all hugs. and we'll get to experience the blessings of community, the blessings of the Lord's presence forever. And we're to remember that just as God saved his people from Egypt, he has saved us from all of our sins. That as he brought his people into the promised land, he will bring us home. Because he's, this is his goal all along, over and again in the book of Exodus. He says, let my people go to Pharaoh that they might serve me. His purpose is that we would be his people united to him. He has promised not only to deliver them from sin, but also to bring them to the promised land. And this is what Christ does for us. He delivers us from sin and brings us home. So we're to remember Him, to remember all that He's done, to remember that if He went to the cross, if He became man, lived, died, and rose again, He will certainly bring us home as He has promised to do. Think have Jude. The end of that short book that says, now to Him... Oh, I'm actually... Sorry, I'm going to need to actually look this up again. Um, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. See here that the Lord who has delivered you will bring you home. He'll bring you home before his presence, blameless and with great joy. One of the reasons that I'm crying so much in these days is the joy that I feel holding my daughter. I hold her in my arms and sing to her and she falls asleep. I'm so thankful. But the love that I have for my daughter, as bright as it is, is but a shadow compared to the love and joy that our Heavenly Father feels for us. I would not leave my little girl at the hospital. And the Lord will not leave us. That He will bring us home with great joy. That He has delivered us from all of our sins. He has paid the price. So turn to Him. So look to Jesus for life. See the glory of who He is. And trust in Him throughout your life. Hold fast to the hope. Remember that He will bring you home. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your great love for us. I thank You that You have delivered us from the penalty that we deserve for our sin and that in place of our lives... and. You have offered Your Son. I thank You that we have hope that because of Your love, because of Your promises that have been fulfilled, You will bring us home. Amen.